I love blood. And I think for me, I like to do little layers on top of layers, like maybe a dark tone and do different layers. And for me, that's what makes it look more realistic because you, then you have the depth that comes through. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye over me. With blood in your hand, ready to go. It's, it's a fun time. <laughs> Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show and we think it helps to talk it out even when there's no more show <laughs> until they, they make a new episodes. I'm Fiona Williams and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS and today I'm joined by my friend, colleague and fellow resistor, Natalie Handley. Hey Natalie. Hi. Hello. Unfortunately, Sanakadar and Haiti Island were unable to make it today, but they will be back soon enough with our next episodes. But uh, today we have jumped into the Zoom room for another one of our bonus episodes featuring Emmy nominees. So as you know, Handmaid's Tale has landed a record number of Emmy nominations for this incredible season of Handmaid's Tale. And we've had the pleasure of inviting some of the Emmy nominees into our Zoom room to look back over their amazing work, help us you know, savor all of those amazing details that we obsess over. And we know you do too, because we read your tweets. And today we are joined by Burton LeBlanc. He's the head of the makeup department on Handmaid's Tale. And he's been there from the beginning, um, you know, crafting the looks of on the faces of everyone in Gilead and Canada <laughs> and from the before times. So much to talk about it. And look, season four, we saw a lot of action this season, lots of bombs going off, dirt, blood, the whole the, the whole works really. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm keen to find out how does it how do they actually do that? Um, I have no idea. Keen to find out. Yeah, and of course they had to stop for COVID in the middle of it all. So um, yeah, much to discuss. Let's let's meet Burton the Blanc. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> so, Burton LeBlanc, welcome to Eyes on Gilead and congratulations on your Emmy nomination this year for uh, Outstanding Contemporary Makeup, Non-Prosthetic, for you. your work across season four of The Handmaid's Tale and on your past nominations as well. I've pre-warned you that um, we do celebrate all of the details um, that are embedded in the design, in the wardrobe, in the makeup that enrich the story of this incredible show. So thank you for jumping into our Zoom room. <laughs> we, we're out thank of episodes. You. We're out of episodes of the show until, <laughs> until he goes and makes some more for us. <laughs> um, well, the good news is uh, next season, 13 as opposed to 10. So that's woo-hoo. a little bit... Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, 10 was... <laughs> we were just 10 is really short. You know, 13, much better. I was hoping for 13 because we haven't done actually 13 since season one. But yeah, it's great to be back to 13. And they need, they really need the extra three to tie everything up. We've got, they've got a lot to do, you know, this season. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, last season, you packed so much in (laughs) to those 10. It was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. lot. We gave people, you know, what they wanted, what they expected and what they finally, you know, wanted and and saw. So I think it made everybody very happy, which is great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of the joys of the season, by the way, has been your Insta feed. Uh, you have provided a lot of behind the scenes um, images and video. Um, and I have to say, it has been a bit of a, a must watch profile of yours. Uh, do you want to um, talk a little bit about, so like, I think you're one of the few people really that really um, goes hard on Insta for the show. Have you had much reaction? I have a lot of reaction. And, and you know, I, I basically just started Instagram just maybe a year or two before the show. 
But once the show started, I thought, you know what? I really want to make that connection. And I was, people were reaching out to me a little bit in the beginning here and there. And I thought, you know what? There, there's definitely an interest. And as the show progressed and, you know, season one into season two and then onward, um, it just got more and more. So in the beginning, I, I just thought, you know what? They want to connect. They really want to connect with somebody. And, and like you said, there's not a lot of people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. So I just... I just, it was good. It was actually good for me. And I, you know, t- talk to people, explain to people what was happening or getting a little bit of insight, whatever I could without, you know, giving away any storylines, but um, I was enjoying it as well. And, and the more I get into it, the more I enjoyed it. So I kept going and, and elaborated more and more, more pictures, more elaborate uh, explanations. And because mm-hmm. people kept, it wasn't enough. People wanted more and more. <laughs> we all it was all. good though. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. As you can probably see, you could tell. Yeah, so are we. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, you've been there from the beginning. So, you know, you established the looks of The Handmaids particularly, but but this whole mad world um, of Gilead. Um, did you know at the time um, that there would be such emphasis on what we call the June Zoom, sort of that, you know, definitive extreme close-up? <laughs> um, and, and what was your thinking in how do you create for that, those moments of character? Um, I didn't quite know of, of, yeah, the June Zoom initially in the beginning. You know, I've been there, like you said, since the very beginning. And when we did the camera test, um, actually, I've got a funny story. When we did the camera test, even the Colin Watkinson DP and and sometimes director, Mm -hmm. he um, was there, obviously, for the camera test. Me, Mike Barker, you know, a few of us, a few of the Mm -hmm. the bigger major players. But he... um, once I did Lizzie's makeup and then he was like, you know, is that it? Are we going to do a little bit more? He was a little bit surprised how, you know, I, I left her mm-hmm. looking as, you know, as bad quote unquote, <laughs> mm-hmm. as I felt needed to be for the character. So, um, you know, and we all work together, lighting, you know, the DP, myself, hair, makeup, wardrobe. So it all comes together, I think perfectly. Mm. And as June and all of the characters have evolved across the season, how have you taken that kind of evolution as a story point and, and as a, as a um, makeup point? You know what? I think Lizzie and I just keep up discussions and we keep talking about what's happening. And she usually, you know, most times knows way ahead, way more advanced than what I would know. I know a little bit ahead, but she knows obviously way ahead. So she'll kind of fill me in and kind of let me know what's going on. And we have discussions and, you know, we kind of will know what the arc will be of the storyline or what she's going through. So we kind of, I always keep that in mind and I always want to um, not go too far initially because we want somewhere for the character, somewhere for her looks to go. And this yeah. year there were so many different looks I got to do. So it was kind of exciting. And we were both excited. It's like, okay, we get to do this, we get to do that. We get to, you know, do more blood. more. Mm-hmm. So it's, <laughs> it's just really a lot of dialogue and a lot of communication to keep that going and keep it, keep that spark and keep that alive. And we have a lot of talks and a lot of discussion in the makeup trailer in the makeup chair every morning. Uh, well, sort of speaking of the makeup trailer, would you be able to tell us, like, because um, it's not just you, right? So you have a team working with you. Would you be able to tell us a bit about the team? How many of you are there? How do you split up the work? Well, there's three main players of it. There's myself, my key makeup, and an assistant makeup in the trailer. So there's three. Plus, there's somebody else that deals with mainly just the extras. So the person that is really extra is like, I, they know that that's what they're there for. There's a certain look to the show. We have all the digital pictures. We've got notes, you know, they get all the scripts. I expect everybody to read the scripts and to kind of follow the storylines and the story, you know, as it unfolds. So that would be that one person there. And in the trailer, as far as like myself, I'm so tied up with number one with Lizzie. Um, and I have to be there even days that maybe aren't so busy. I still have to kind of, 
just be available just in case something comes up or there's more uh, scenes added or shots added or for those extreme close-ups. Mm. So I'll do the top two or three, like Lizzie and Joseph. I've got Bradley, Commander Lawrence. But then the, the ones just below that, I'll go to my key to Alistair. And then the ones below that, the players below that, will go to the next person down. Mm-hmm. And on a not so busy day when I don't have Lizzie, um, then I'll get to play with maybe a new character coming in. It's like, okay, yeah, I get to do something <laughs> else. Um, so I'll take maybe one of those people that I would have delegated to somebody else on my team. Mm. Okay. So I imagine, say with this show, um, unfortunately there are a lot of bruises, a lot of blemishes that uh, Lizzie encounters. I imagine continuity plays a strong role in uh, in your work here and how do you keep track if you have to go and do a reshoot? Great question, actually. It, well, it's it's always a huge deal. We always have, you know, tons of photos, great digital photos, lots of notes um, and multiple photos because sometimes depending on the light, depending on, you know, you know, you take maybe 10 or we take maybe 10 or 20 and whoever's taking them for me, if I get them to take shots of their characters, I say, make sure you take a bunch because there might only be one or two that are kind of true to the color and to the light of way, what it should be. So just lots of photos, tons of photos and great notes because you just never know. We don't know. It's got to be exact. And those matches have to be exact, as you know. Yeah, well, like the way people like Twitter, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> the bruise jumps to the wrong cheek or something. Um, um, now, you're nominated for the episode Pigs, the um, premiere episode of season four. Um, yes. That's a very blood-drenched one. <laughs> um, a lot of red in the colour palette for that one. Um, yeah. Can you talk us through that episode, say, um, you know, what challenges, opportunities it, it presented for you when you were presented with the script there? Well, I guess the biggest and the, the huge challenge was when the world shut down because of COVID, because, you know, that was the first episode. So we started um, March of 2020. And I think we just shut down, I think, two weeks later. So I think, and it's so funny that I actually picked, you know, it was probably the most difficult episode because we had to start it for about two weeks. And then we came back in September, mm. still amid COVID, mm. we picked it up and still had to match it up and make sure everything looked great and and so that was probably the the huge biggest challenge and we got through it and then i submitted it for a nomination i got nominated so but um that was the biggest challenge yeah and with your work it's um you know it's such an intimate way of working you know you're in you know close proximity when in a time when social distancing is vital um i know you're in the bubble but just Knowing the nature of your work, can you talk about how you were you tentative when you were coming back, um, even in spite of all the protocols? Well, you know what? It was, it was really another great question. It was really tricky with the protocols because even in the beginning when we were trying to, you know, get set up and trying to figure things out and we had to wear, you know, the goggles and we had to wear the you know, visor. And, and I knew wow. right off it was going to affect the way that I, you know, saw Lizzie and the way the camera was going to, you know, the camera was right here in her face. You know, I have to get pretty good eyesight, but, you know, people say, well, you can see through the, we even had people explaining it to us. Well, it's okay. You can see through the vise. I can't, but I, it's really difficult. Sometimes you've got reflections. You can't see, I can't get everything perfect with all of this gear on. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to work that out. And luckily, I think in this case, it helped because Lizzie and I knew each other. She trusted me. Um, so we had that bond in that relationship. So I think in this case, it really worked out. But on other shows, they, they don't know who they're working with yet, it can be a really tricky thing. But with Lizzie and I, it worked and we, we talked it out that I would be able to make sure it was okay that I would sometimes have to lift 
any of my gear so I could see there was nothing in between me and Lizzie's face. Mm. So that was a big thing with lots of, you know, great communication and dialogue. And luckily me and Lizzie, you know, have a great relationship. So it was, it was good in that way. Yeah. It sounds like you guys would end up spending a lot of time together because um, could you kind of walk us through, especially for that episode, like when does your day start and when does it finish? Um, and what does your work day look like? Um, well, we'll get the schedule on like Friday for a Monday morning and typically a Monday would be, you know, 5 a.m. Usually sometimes a little bit earlier, sometimes later. And we will go, I mean, we're kind of, we're like a well-oiled machine now. Like we're pretty good and, and the directors are pretty good in the EDs and we have a great team and, and Lizzie doesn't waste, like to waste any time. I don't either. So we're pretty efficient. So if we start at about five in the morning, uh, we usually do 12, 13 hour day, which is pretty good. And they've tried to cut it down with COVID because, you know, because of all the health and safety issues. Mm-hmm. But um, I would just meet up with Lizzie first thing in the morning. We'd spend about a half an hour. I'll do her, her makeup and we delegate whoever's coming in. Uh, Serena Joy usually goes to my key, uh, Alistair. And we'd have maybe about six major players each day. Maybe Ann Dowd would be in. And you know what? It's kind of funny because we usually have a lunch break of an hour, but with COVID, a lot of times we just kind of like, we just want to get the day done and we just yeah. filmed through the whole day, which was kind of tough, but we kind of would rather just get it done and just get it finished. But um, usually 12, 14 hour day. That's a lot. Yeah. And in the evenings too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it'll change. Like we'll usually go later and later. Like usually it's hard to plan a life because Monday would be different from a Wednesday, different from a Friday. And then the next Monday could be completely different. So every day they're, they're never the same. They're always different and they're never the same as the previous same day of the week before. Um, flashbacks are a popular feature of handmaids and we really do love them. Say we saw a flashback with Janine's character this year. Would you be able to sort of walk us through the approach of how you wanted to show Janine in the past versus how you show her now? Well, it was so great that we got to um, delve more into Janine's background. I think people mm. were so happy with that. And Alistair, my key makeup artist, does her makeup. So, of course, he and I would have discussions about that. And I would talk to um, Madeline, who plays Janine, yeah. about where, you know, what her thoughts maybe were on the character, what we could do. And, you know, what? even in the beginning, um, you know, sometimes they have ideas where, you know, I remember one day, she's like, can we really do the cat? Can we really go a little bit far? I'm like, so you kind of have to talk them through, like maybe, and then figure out it's not quite a good idea to do that. I don't think she would have that. I don't think she would go that far. So it was definitely a thing. And but with our cameras and H definition, high D definition, you would any little thing you would see. So without going overboard or too much, any little thing is going to be a big improvement from how she normally looks with no eye, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I just go with instinct, I guess. I think my instincts are are pretty good. And um, I usually just go with that. I feel like what's right after reading the script and the characters. How excited are the actors? Because they really have to do a very sort of gritty, no makeup look for most of the time in Handmaids. But when they do a flashback, they sort of, they sort of get to be more of the, more of the normal selves. How do they, how do they feel about finally getting some? (laughs) Oh, they love it. They they can't wait. Cause that's why I'm saying, that's why I was getting back to Madeline because she's like, oh, I'm going to, I want all this makeup. And I'm like, Maddie, I know we're excited, but you know, we all gonna, but it's going to be, it's going to be too much. We're definitely, we're going to do something, but, but they're, they're super excited and they love it because they just want to, I just remember in the very, very beginning, especially with the, the girls, the women, female characters, way back in the beginning when we did the camera test, they were all a little bit, 
you know, because they're not wearing any makeup and they're looking really bad. <laughs> um, and actually a lot of the network executives, there's some of them, and I don't want to put it all in the males, but you, a lot of the male, you know what I mean? Like, why are the women looking? Well, that's the way they should look. And that's the way the characters would be. <laughs> and that's how the book, you know, portrays them. So it's, it's definitely been a thing and it is pops up here and there, but they, they love flashbacks. And, um, and it's great for us too, because we get to do something different. Yeah. Get to delve into the other, the other world, the nice world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the before times. Um, yeah. And with Lizzie, like a flashback, you know, her complexion, it's so dewy and she's so, you know, <laughs> vibrant. Um, we, had a, we had a couple of those beautiful ones, heartbreaking even, this season. I'm thinking, of course, with when she tells Luke she's pregnant. Yeah, those moments. So approaching, say, Lizzie for a flashback and what it says about June's, June's headspace at the times. Well, with Lizzie, um, season one and two, we did so many flashbacks and even season three, you know, season, as we got into this season, not as much, but it's always great. We always love to do flashbacks and kind of delve into that and to show, I, I love to show that difference for the viewers because they need to see it and they, they need to see this nice life or this normal normalcy to her and her character. So I just give her a nice glowy foundation to kind of give her a little bit of spark and give her a little bit of life to her eyes to show that, you know, her prior world from, uh, from Gilead. So it's just without going too far. And now that she's back, now she's in Toronto, it's, um, it's also a thing. And I get this asked a lot. I get asked a lot about her being in Toronto where how far do I know to take it or not to yeah. take it? Well, she's still in this trauma mode. So I can't, you know, you still have to show that. So really her makeup hasn't changed a lot. It's just a little hint, maybe a little hope that I've given her in her eyes, maybe a little something, a little tiny bit of mascara that kind of helps just a tiny bit without going too far. But it's just enough for the viewer at home to see, well, maybe there's, she's coming through this. Maybe there's hope for her. So all of those little things come into play. Mm. Um, speaking of the characters that, are in Canada. So Moira has been out for a while, but you know, they they are still clearly dealing with trauma. So so how you how do you get that balance right for a character like her? And you're right, Samira's been out for a while. So she's kind of has a little bit more, she has a nice little glow, not too much, but she has a nice soft, prettier look. Mm. Whereas um, Amanda, who plays Rita, yep. is still kind of pretty much in Rita's makeup. And this funny you mentioned that because this is definitely these are definite discussions that come up mm. and the uh, my person Taylor my assistant who does her makeup so we have discussions and she's great we love Amanda but you know like I said flashbacks they all want to we have to do full makeup now I said well we're not there yet I know you're excited <laughs> but you know they would all like not just Amanda I don't want to seem like I'm picking on her but they would all like a nice full makeup but she really is still like in this trauma mode. So you, you watch her in the uh, in season four, Rita. She's still very much in Rita's makeup. Just a little bit more foundation, maybe just a tiny bit. So you really keep all of those levels into play. Where Samira's more, she's been out for a while, and Amanda, Rita would be definitely less, and with Lizzie as well. Yeah, yeah. But I have to keep all that in check too with everybody, my people, <laughs> the actors. You know, that all. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet, because, you know, like they really, like they are amazing actors, but they also have to put their ego aside for these roles. And I can imagine that's challenging. I'd, like I would, I would want to go yeah. full on for the flashbacks as well. Who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the guys? Can you talk about sort of the men or maybe like Joseph, you mentioned that you work for Fred's character and he certainly aged a lot in season four. Well, first of all, how did the actor feel about that? He loved it. You know, 
Joe is so into Commander Waterford and, you know, first of all, he's a great guy. We have great discussions and conversations and he, he's just a great, great guy, family guy. He loved it. He loves just going for it. You know, like it, we have great communication. We'll sit in the makeup chair. I'll, you know, I'll do the red. I'll kind of give him the really dark under the eyes. And like you've probably seen on my Instagram, the beard played a lot into it, the way that yeah. I kind of outgrew it, made it scraggly. Season one and season two is a lot more structure, a lot more you know, commanding, commander-like, where as he's falling apart, so was his beard just really scraggly and the grays added in it, and just really rough and ragged looking. So, um, no, he was into it. He loved it. And um, so did I. I mean, I love when I get to do that. <laughs> um, and I'll ask Bradley Whitford, um, you know, with, with Lawrence and his, um, he certainly takes care with his cravat and whatnot. So, yeah, his, his look, what, how would you kind of encapsulate um, Lawrence's look? Well, you're, you weren't really quite supposed to know what he was up to. So he was always kind of like, you know, the man behind it, a little bit of a mask. So he yeah. was always very well kept with his clothes, you know, his hair, as well as his beard, which I kept very neat and tidy. Yeah. Except for a couple scenes this season where he was banged up a little bit, but just for a couple of scenes. And then he went back to his more structured, nice beard. So we always keep him groomed. I keep his beard nice and tidy because you're never supposed to know quite if you can trust him or not, or what he's up to. So he's hiding a bit behind that. And um, the makeup and his beard is what I use to kind of show and hide that. Mm. Say with the wives in Gilead, when Serena was there, you know, in a sort of a no makeup world, but they probably get the products <laughs> shipped in, wouldn't they? <laughs> um, how, how do you convey that glamour, um, kind of a Gilead glamour, that sort of elegant simplicity? Um, well, initially with the camera test and talking to Reed Morano, who did the first three episodes back in season one, she kind of established, you know, where the show was going. She's, she was amazing, is amazing. So it was really like having discussions with her. It was like, you know, what can we pick? Like, we will pick something like the eyebrow, let's say, make a nice, beautiful eyebrow and enhance that and use that for the wives. We'll just pick that as a little bit of a statement. Um, besides a nice, beautiful, soft, um, simple foundation, not a whole lot of lip or cheeks, but just a beautiful skin tone and, and using the eyebrows, a nice manicured eyebrow to kind of show that side. And did that, because um, Serena had quite a significant makeover this year, like her whole sort of wardrobe style seemed to change as she was pregnant and she was no longer in Gilead. How did her makeup change? Um, how did that transform along with her this season? It kind of just went with that. I mean, her makeup actually didn't change a whole lot this season. Um, it was pretty much the same once they're in that wife, unless there's something dramatic that's happening, like Commander Lawrence's wife, who, um, took her own life. Mm. That was a different whole thing. She was sallow and, and sickly looking, but as far as Serena Joy, um, Yvonne's makeup, it pretty much stayed the same. It was still that traditional wife, pretty soft manicured eyebrow kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about blood, um, because there certainly is a lot of it. <laughs> Um, in the episode that you are nominated for. Like, first of all, how do you do fake blood? And I guess what are the challenges of working with it? Well, I love blood. 
And I think for me, I like to do little layers on top of layers, like maybe a dark tone and do different layers. And for me, that's what makes it look more realistic because you then you have the depth that comes through. Yeah. Um, but I love blood. Like when, when, when the guard got shot next to Lizzie there and we had to do that splatter on the side. And that kind of <laughs> went through a few episodes because then she was shoved in the van and then she was yeah. tortured and it still continued like little pieces of on her face. Um, but it's just really all about layers and getting those different tones, like the dark tones and the light tones and getting all those different tones on top of each other, which makes it look more realistic, actually, rather than one color. But I love blood and I'm, and I'm happy this season I got to do a lot more of it. <laughs> Within the world of Gilead, you know, we're talking about the no makeup and simplicity, but one opportunity to really go big with the makeup is the Jezebel's yeah. sequences and the moments there yeah. where it is, you know, this exaggerated idea of femininity um from a men's perspective but what um yeah t- can you talk us through that and like just setting up this this look for the unfortunate women trapped in jezebels well the jezebels are very it's, it's very interesting um area i guess of the show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it, the way i think it was first season anyway there's been three or four different times when we visited the jezebels and they've always been a bit different depending on the region of the country that the commanders of those scenes they were in. They're all, haven't, they've always been a little bit different. Their clothes mm. sometimes are a little bit more in gowns, more done up. Uh, and other times are more regional, not, not as quite as nicely done. So it just depends on, on that and where the director wants to go with it. And, you know, we get to have fun yeah. with that in, in those kind of cases. And it's funny with Lizzie even, when she goes to the Jezebels, her look has always been a little bit different. But with her, her makeup pretty much stays the same, except for season one, where she was kind of like full on, nice, a little bit more like a soft glam. Um, this past season, it was just really her June look with a red lipstick. But the Jezebels, it just depends. They're always different. And that's, that's the way it's supposed to be, depending on where, what regions of the, the areas of the country that they're in. Would you be able to give us an example of how they are different depending where they are well when this season when i think it was episode two when some of the commanders got poisoned and there were jezebels there so they were a little bit more more um from the country area you know what i mean so they're just more run down a little bit more rough looking as opposed to season one we went to visit them uh the jezebels and they were more um you know it was a royal hotel they were very they were in ball gowns so it just depends on where the commanders were going. Sometimes they, whatever fetish they had, I guess, in those particular uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we ended up doing with them. Yeah. And you mentioned sometimes the opportunity to introduce a new character that you might work on. Mrs. Keys is, um, was a new introduction this season. She certainly she's, had an evolution in the, yeah. In the yeah. but of course she's a child, <laughs> you know, or a teenager at least. Um how did you approach that? Sort of, you know, she's a very young wife in Gilead, turned handmaid. Uh, oh, and you, you know, you forget how young she is yeah. because, you know, she's so strong and she's so great. And, but she's, she's very young. And I remember reading the script and when this was all like in discussion in the very beginning. We're like, well, she's only going to be, you know, she's underage and she's married to, you know, man who's about 70. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, what kind of reaction? And we knew there was going to be a huge reaction because of that which is what the show wanted. They wanted to push some buttons. And, of course. But she's been great. And, you know, it, it's tough shooting with um, a minor, basically, because we only can work so many hours. So we really have to kind of work harder yeah. and kind of work around her. And she's, she's so lovely and she's so great. But for her, it's really just keeping her as she was because we didn't want to add, I just want to add too much makeup to make her look too 
at all like because she's supposed to look like a child but she's got these really huge natural long eyelashes really black almost like she's got tons of mascara on so it's really we're just keeping those down (laughs) because on camera they were just really showing but Mm -hmm. it was just keeping her really simple because she's supposed to look like a younger wife like a child for her character so we couldn't really do so she really isn't wearing she's wearing something but I didn't want to take it too far her eyelashes were amazing (laughs) I was actually wondering if that was just all natural Yeah, Lucky teenagers. one time like Alistair was putting, you know, a lot of red in her eyes when she was uh, held there, when she was being held captive under like with her, she was chained up and her eyes were really red. So it make her eyes really red. But, you know, but it was like it was a struggle to see them underneath the eyelashes. Right. So <laughs> we really had to kind of like go overboard with the redness because the eyelashes in the light were kind of like covering everything. Everything. <laughs> she's so amazing and i'm so happy that she got nominated she's so lovely yeah uh well let's talk about the emmys uh, what does it feel like to be nominated for one uh it feels pretty amazing it feels pretty amazing i mean just to be nominated and to know that you know your peers have nominated you and recognized your work and, and actually watched your work yeah and you know you know really looked at it you know it's pretty special it's pretty amazing it's pretty it's pretty great yeah, well, and well-deserved. Um, will you get to go to the ceremony? Yes, definitely <laughs> we'll get to go, yeah. We just found out, I mean, it was like down to the crunch and, you know, I was, you know, talking to my key, talked to my team. It's like, are we going, are we going? But we just found out not that long ago, maybe, you know, a few weeks back, that we will be there September 11th. The creative arts are the week before, then they kind of tape all the segments together, but we'll be there. So oh, it's fantastic. exciting. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's good to have something to celebrate. Yeah. That's such a hard season as well. Um, I mean, it'll be quite the same. They're going to have them outdoors and they will all be spaced out a bit. It's not quite, you know, but it's still, we'll be there. Um, it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah. With, with those hard, you know, not worth, but yeah, looking back to, to those hard first days of regrouping after COVID, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where we've left off with the end of the finale of season four, you know, Lizzie's got that telltale streak of, you know, whose blood across her face that she stamps on little baby Nicole. Um, that scene, like, did you, <laughs> did you have to put that big smudge of, um, <laughs> smudge of friends well, blood on her face? Funny. You guys are hitting, hitting some great questions. Um, so <laughs> we, we did it on Lizzie's face, certain spots, and it was very contrived on Lizzie deliberately. It was supposed to look <laughs> just the way that we, we had discussions about how it should look and to have one spot here, I don't know if it was here or there, that would do that as she yeah. was holding the baby that some would actually come off on the baby. So yeah, it was kind of meant to be that way. And it, those last couple shots were so powerful, I think, right? Yeah. So I think it really played up well and it kind of worked. It was so powerful. Yeah. Speaking of that finale, I want to ask you about Fred's ending. Uh, there was there was a lot of blood and bruises and dirt for everybody, and I think I remember at one point Lizzie bites Fred as well, and there's blood everywhere. Do you can, can you just sort of walk us through sort of how you um, how you approached that part? Well, that was that was tough. That was actually a tough night. We worked pretty much all night that night. So, and that was the very last night of shooting actually in, um, in March, mid March or something that it was, it was tough. <laughs> so really we kind of had discussions. We kind of know the deal, what's going on. You know, I had discussions with my team and I had discussions with Lizzie and Joseph, what we're going to do, but, um, and I'm there, you know, we're in the middle of the forest, uh, cold, you know, it's a cold March <laughs> night. 
so it's really as much as you ha- kind of have all those details and everything planned out, you never quite know what's going to happen. But you know what? The cold does help in those situations because everybody's got the red ears and they've got the cold, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's really just mapping all that stuff out and kind of you never quite know what shots are going to do. I mean, you you do, but there's always, you know, the director gets all creative and people get all creative and they, they add this or they do that. So you really got to be on your toes all night. You really got, it doesn't matter how tired you are or how, you know, but um, it's just kind of having it mapped up each shot as it goes, but then also being open to, you never know what's going to happen and being right there with, with blood in your hand, ready to kind of ready to go. <laughs> really how it is. That's a great visual image, blood in your hand, ready to go. <laughs> it <is. laughs> um, it's pretty crazy because you've got, I don't know, you've probably seen pictures. Well, I try to post a few pictures on Facebook because they always say, I want people to really see how this is. Yeah, you know, in the middle of the woods, you know, the lights blare. You know, sometimes you can't even see because the lights are glaring in your face, and you've got it's pretty spectacular, but it's pretty dark as well. And the blood and everything that I do, it's got to look right. So it's it's tricky, but it's fun at the same time. It's it's a fun time. <laughs> I can <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, and so you know, we do have this wait now till um till they start shooting again. And um, what are you doing in the meantime? Is is there how's the production um how's it going in the in these new times? Yeah, I'm just finished um a movie called Lucky's Girl Alive with Mila Kunis and oh, yeah. Connie Britton, mm-hmm. and I'm actually going to New York on Monday for two weeks. They shoot there in two weeks for two weeks to finish up production. And then yeah, it's a movie that I've been working on for maybe two and a half months. So that's what I've been working on, which is great. The total totally something different from Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And do you know when, when you might um, start up again on, on Handmaid's? January. Oh, okay. Yeah, end of January. So 13 episodes, so I guess we'll probably go till August, but we're definitely in January we're prepping. I'll be prepping anyway. I think some people, maybe props department, some departments are prepping, I think, November, December, but I'll be there in January. We will be keeping an eye on your Instagram feed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Set my calendar on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bert LeBlanc, thank you so much. It, like you, for for the Instagram feed, as, as Natalie says, like it really enriches our experience of enjoying this, our favourite show. Um, yeah. And it's such a treasure to talk to you. Um, yeah, to get all these wonderfully rich details. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I love talking to you, and I and I love talking about it. I'm having a good time. It's, it's great. No, it's great working. Best of luck. Best of luck on the 11th. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. That sounds like the funnest job, to be honest. Like, why didn't I think of that when I was when I was in high school and thinking about my future career? I know. <laughs> he paints such a vivid um, picture of being there for the finale, waiting for the go time with <laughs> with all the blood to just launch into the darkness to just apply more blood to everyone. <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. And yeah, what what he says about during COVID, just the the trust that he needed to call on with, with Lizzie, that the fact that they have that established relationship is um, so valuable in times like that where everyone's on edge because of the virus. Um, but, no, it, it truly pays off. And you can see why he put forward Pigs to be to be nominated given that was the episode that they came back with mm-hmm. after having to go into hiatus, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realise he'll be doing his job not just like in those COVID times having a full mask on, like not just like mm-hmm. a normal cloth mask, but a, the full sort of plastic face shield. Yeah, that must have been, must have been very difficult. Hmm. So many details. I'm loving all these bonus episodes with just taking us back through <laughs> through these times. It's, it's helping in lockdown Sydney, that's for sure. 
Look, thanks for listening. We hope you found that as valuable as we certainly did. We're off to go and pour over but the bloke's Instagram feed again. <laughs> Revisit good times. And you can find him there at Burton the Blanc. I want to thank my co-host Natalie Hambly for being here today. That was so much fun. So much fascinating detail. I'm loving all of these bonus yes, me too. episodes. Yeah, <laughs> it's a way to rewatch the show until they make it again for us. And look, thanks in absentia to Sun Kadar and Haiti Island. We know you were very bummed to miss this one. And thank you for listening. We love that you have chosen to watch this show along with us through all of the years and everything we've all been through. And we'd love to know what you think about these extra episodes and about Burton's insights there. You can reach out on Twitter and find me at anything but Fifi. Natalie, where can we find you? At Natalie Hambly. And do use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead. That's how we know to spot your tweets. And while you're here, why not leave some feedback and give us a rating on your favourite podcast app. And if this has made you want to go and rewatch season four, you can find the box set at SPS On Demand. And if you speak other languages or know someone who does, uh, SPS On Demand has the subtitled versions in simplified Chinese and in Arabic as well. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take your dirty, fill the stinking eyes off me. Well, we're not there yet. I know you're excited. <laughs> <laughs>